Dear Cosmo Babies, on this week's episode, we are talking about product manufacturing. We are joined by a very special guest, Sheena from Barb. I am your host, Annie MacArthur. I have my co-host with me today, Aaron Gray, and let's just jump right into it. Welcome, Sheena. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I was in post-secondary, so in the cosmetology school system for a really long time. And, you know, I've talked about it before, but the first day we would always ask our students, you know, like, introduce yourself and why you wanted to come to cosmetology school. And inevitably, everyone was going to leave school and move to L.A. and do celebrity hair. And while they were doing that, they were just going to go ahead and start a product line as well you know, a brush line or a makeup line or a hair care line. And everyone was so enthusiastic. And while we loved that, it was like, okay, what's the roadmap to get there? And that's why I think it's so exciting to have Sheena with us today because she has absolutely, she's gone through that roadmap. Like she's taken the trip. She's there. The product is incredible. Um, So Sheena, I think we just wanted to kind of ask you what, like, what has been your experience in starting a product line? How what made you want to start a product line and how did you kind of get there? Great question. And I will start by saying it was a very unconventional adventure. I will be honest, I had zero experience in hair and beauty and product manufacturing. In fact, my background is in sports. The Mm -hmm. first company I founded was in 2016 called Workforce Athletics. It was a corporate sports company. And it was also rooted in community and awesome experiences centered around corporate sports and people banding together around playing sports. And I bring that up because Barb, I will get into what Barb is all about in a second, but Barb is also rooted in community. And I founded Barb during the pandemic based on my own experience as a short hair consumer. So again, just want to remind all of you, I had zero experience in hair and beauty. And I was coming into this industry as a consumer who felt underrepresented and not seen in the industry. And I honestly didn't realize that until, in fact, it was right before my wedding about six years ago. I'd been going to get my perfect haircut leading up to my wedding at a salon here in San Francisco. And I was paying, you know, almost 300 bucks every eight to 12 weeks to get this haircut. I was sitting in the salon and I was thinking to myself, what the fuck am I doing paying this much money? Like this isn't sustainable, A. And B, this haircut, like this haircut shouldn't be $300. I understand why some haircuts are $300, but in order for me to like maintain this look and this style that I want, this isn't sustainable. I can't be spending this money. So I started going to a barber and I was most of the time, the only woman sitting in the barber shop and the barbers or the stylists would always, always, always be intimidated by my hair. And it was just a pattern that kept on happening. And so that, you know, that was my experience in the salons and barber shops. And then on the other side of things, I realized it was literally one day I got up in the morning. I went to put the pomade in my hair, pomade that I typically use, Kevin Murphy. I was a big Kevin Murphy fan at the time. Uh And I'm a very like low maintenance person. Like the only product, like my prized possession is my pomade. So I went to look at my pomades, my, my pomade selection. And I realized, holy shit, every single pomade I had and owned were made for a market to men. It was either super hyper masculine Uh branding. Uh The name of the pomade was like a quote unquote man's name, Kevin Murphy. And then I started to like do some research and I realized that every single product out there for short hair, almost every single product. And today I have validated this kind of hypothesis is short hair products are made for a market to men. So Uh I thought to myself, this is crazy. Like there has to be 
there has to be like way more people like myself who rock short hair and who and don't, who don't identify as men or cis men. And so I launched Barb as a passion project almost two years ago. I will be two years in June. And I launched it as a passion project, just kind of seeing who was out there, if there were other people like me who were, who felt underserved and underrepresented. And lo and behold, there are so many, so many <laughs> yes, Barb's. There are. <laughs> Shakaru. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of the product. I use it myself. I am obsessed. It was so different from the things that I was originally using. And I'm a hairdresser. Like I'm a professional hairdresser. I work in the salon. I work in professional beauty. And when I finally was able to get my hands on it, it was like, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for, for so long. And it's not just about the product because the product is incredible, but it, it was about the marketing. It was about the brand voice. It was about the target audience. It was about the the way that like when I, like, I'm also like a single use person, like I use one thing and I use Barb. And so it definitely, I feel like the way that you have your brand put together is exactly like you hit your target audience for sure. (laughs) And I think it's so great because, because it is, I mean, Annie and I work on a lot of different projects with a lot of different people, but one in particular, you know, is a charity focused on creating sacred spaces in the salon. And what you find is that, yes, there are, there are people who identify as women who are going to barbershops mm-hmm. and then they don't, they are not feeling comfortable because there, there is no product for them. You know, you're right. You look at Kevin Murphy, you look at Mitch, you, like everything's like, oh, Butch Cassidy, you know? And you're like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not a gun-toting like Western dude. And so I think it is so great that you've created this space that, that feels very inclusive of all genders and it's a product. I mean, Annie says that you, you guys can't keep it on the shelves. Yeah. It, it flies off the shelf at our salon. <laughs> like we, we cannot keep it in stock. We have to start placing larger orders, which we have because it goes mm-hmm. so quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They've created something really special like two years, you said, start to finish. What, what did that look like? Like, how did you get started? Cause you're a, you're a consumer and you're like, Hey, I'm in my bathroom. But like, how do you go from like, Hey, I'm in my bathroom to like, okay, well, here's this product and I'm selling it to salons. I've got a whole, I have a whole business. Long story, Barb, as I like to say, I had a, a contact through my former company, Workforce Athletics, who had contacts in the product manufacturing space. And he essentially reached out to all of his contacts. And it wasn't just like a cold email reach out. Like he put in the time and effort to make sure these people got on a phone call with me. And as it happened, he connected me with one of the most successful and highly regarded manufacturers in the country the founder of this manufacturer, product manufacturer, kind of took me under his wing. Him and his wife started this company based on their own experience working in the industry for many, many years. And honestly, I have to like thank, thank the things because I got so, so lucky. Honestly, I got so lucky. I got connected. I was in the right place at the right time. You know, the good old saying, it's all about network and who you know. I mean, in this uh-huh. industry, I continue to... It, it's uh-huh. all about network and who you know. Absolutely. Uh, and as you both know, you know, reputation is so critical and important because it's a very, very small and tight industry. Yeah. So I got connected to the right person. 
he took me under his wing and he honestly like just took a risk because most of the, the the hardest part about entering the industry and product manufacturing is the capital requirements up front because uh-huh. most manufacturers will not even talk to you if you're not willing to manufacture a minimum minimum order and usually that minimum order requirement is like 10,000 units yeah. mm-hmm. you know and manufacturing 10,000 units costs thousands and thousands of dollars yes so that is honestly the biggest hurdle and the biggest right. barrier for people like you can have the best idea the best product out there but if you can't afford to hit that minimum then you're kind of shit out of luck and that sucks wow. and you know as i as i kind of develop in my career that's one that's something that I really want to address and try and help down the line if and when I'm able to do, because there are so many great ideas out there and people have amazing product ideas, but it's just like prohibitive. You can enter the market if you Uh can't afford it. But this amazing manufacturer actually allowed me to enter with a much lower, a much lower order requirement, minimum order requirement. And that was the only reason that was the only way I could actually like put it all together. Yeah think about even doing this. So I got super, super lucky and, you know, good, really good, honest people. There are, there are a lot of them in this industry just believed in me and believed in the, the mission and believed in the brand. And if it, if it weren't for them, honestly, I wouldn't be here today. It doesn't matter how good the product is. There's no way I'd be here because it would be impossible to, to enter the market. And did you use their chemist? Yes. So yeah. exactly. Yep. Because I didn't have any experience right? and I'm not a chemist myself. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had to rely on them heavily, but because they have such a, a reputation, they, they work with many established brands that we all know, oh. you know, they had incredible experts in house and chemists who could help me kind of bring my vision, my, my product vision to life. Mm-hmm. And Annie, as you know, the product is, I mean, I believe it's unlike any other pomade on the market. Absolutely agree. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It's very simple. Like I took all of my favorite pieces and parts of the products I loved. And I took the, my, the, the parts of the products I hated and I kind of like mashed it up together in a product brief. So the first thing you do when you're working with a manufacturer is you put together a product brief, you put together, you know, they ask you lots of questions, like 50 questions and try and get as much detail as possible from you in terms of what you want this product to ultimately feel Mm -hmm. like, smell like, act like, how it's going to perform. And I, of course, didn't have the language at the time. So looking back at my product brief, it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) I always ask them, like, how the fuck did you make this product? Like, this brief was, like, ridiculous. It was like my (laughs) two-and-a-half-year-old daughter made it. It was like, I want it to be, like, soft and not crunchy and not sticky. (laughs) Not pretty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think those are really important kind of key points to hit on, though, because I know from personal experience, going through cosmetology school how many people that I just went to school with talked about creating a product. And I don't think that there, anyone really understands how in-depth something like creating a product, even if it's one product, like how in-depth it really is, because you do, there has to be briefs. There has to be all of these different stopping points before you even get to the point that you get to talk to a chemist or create the product or touch or feel it or anything like that. And for the people out there listening right now, I think it's important for them to hear all of the different touch points that has to go into it. A lot of people just, they skip over that and they think that they're going to walk in and talk to a chemist and get to leave with a product in hand and touch and feel it. And and it's so much more than that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd be happy to like kind of share just like that A, B, C, D journey as concisely as possible. So once you submit your brief, you know, that's just like the very beginning of the journey. The, I think the most important takeaway for me is how important the manufacturing partner is in this process. They are like your lifeline. They are like kind of your everything. Like if you had, you know, you're essentially quote unquote married to them, you know, they, they, they're your support system, right? So it is so, so, so critical and important to find a manufacturing partner that is not only great and has a reputation has been around for a long time, but most important, you can trust because they are, I mean, making your product, right? Like I always think, oh my God, what happens if my manufacturer goes away? What happens if like, there's so many things like from a legal standpoint that you have to make sure is tied up from a, relationship standpoint, just everything like your manufacturer is so, so critical. So after that brief, you go into formulation mode and that itself is like a whole adventure. And the chemists are just like one piece of it. You know, they have people internally at these manufa- at the, at the companies who are managing the relationships. And these people are basically like going to bat for you. So like, they're going to send, they send you a formula to test, you test it, you give feedback back. They're going back to the chemist. The chemists are like, ah, we can't do this. They come back to us. It's a huge process just to actually like, you know, finalize that product formula. I'm actually testing four new products. These are just like some of the samples that I have. And it's always Um, the little white bottle with the like masking tape on the front. I think that's, that's like one of my favorite things is when a product company's like, Hey, we've, We've got something maybe got working for you. And I'm like, oh, do you have white bottles with masking tape? Because I'm ready for it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And four products have taken like, you know, six months and we're not even at like that final phase yet. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a unique program. It's called the Barb and D program. We've partnered with 16 stylists and barbers across the country to help us formulate these products and bring them to life. So that adds another layer because our manufacturer is actually sending the formulas to our partners. They're testing it. They're giving feedback. So it adds another feedback loop. Yeah. But this shit isn't for the faint of heart. Like I'm a very impulsive, like let's get shit done person. And this is like very hurry up and wait, you know, Uh Uh Um, like, but you also don't want to get it wrong. And, you know, if you get your formula wrong, like no one can buy it. So it's super important that you get it right. And that you actually take the time. And at the same time, it's like, we want to be creating new products as efficiently and kind of quickly as possible, but I need to like temper my expectations because I'm an impatient person. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Okay. So once you've, once you've figured out your formula and your chemists are like, okay, we've got this unlocked, like we're doing our, we're doing our shelf stability tests and like your stuff's in the little oven. Where are you going from there? Yeah, that's when that's when kind of the big stuff happens or the expense. That's when you need you see dollar signs in your dreams right. and you're like, shit, can I do this? This is yeah. very stressful. <laughs> because, you know, products come with marketing. And so after formula, okay, then you're getting your labels, your lids, every single piece mm-hmm. of, you know, every single piece of this product costs money. Um mm-hmm. So what's inside the product, the labels, the printing, the design, the lids, inside the lid, you have a foam line, foam liner. Like mm-hmm. there's just so much that goes on into this, like one little thing. Mm-hmm. And, but then nothing's anything until you start marketing. And it's, it's very scary, right? Because you're like, okay, this is out in the world now. Does anyone like it? 
Yeah. <laughs> then once that first stranger either buys it on Instagram or that first wholesale account barbershop says, yeah, we're in, you're like, holy shit, I made something that's people love. And yeah. <laughs> now we have to spend more money to get the message out more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah are I, you doing your own copywriting? Like, are you, are you doing all of that? Or are, do you have like, you have a design team that you're kind of pushing that out to Definitely have a team. We're a very small team, internal team, but we work with an agency on the digital side of things. But yeah, most of our copywriting comes from us. Like we try and yeah, for me, it comes from my team. We have a social media coordinator. Her name's Allie. She's amazing. And a part-time wholesale manager. So we're a very small lean team. So most of it comes from us because we just want it to be as authentic and uh-huh. truthful as possible. Bye-bye. That's one of my favorite things is the marketing presence, especially on social media that you have, because it's in, it's incredibly inclusive and it's just you like for someone like me who, you know, is queer and part of the queer community. I have short hair. I I prefer to have short hair. I sometimes wear my hair a little bit more masculine. I am able to directly see myself in all of your marketing and what I love is that I get to see myself all the time in your marketing every day, every year, start to finish, you know, the whole time. It's not just like, a, well, sometimes, you know, for pride month or this or that. And, and for me, that is something that just makes me feel seen and valid and like kind of heard in this industry, because I feel like not many companies are representing people like us all the time. And it definitely makes me want to even more support a brand like Barb. Oh yeah. Thanks for saying that. That means a lot. It still boggles my mind that we're living in a time where like brands aren't inclusive or brands like choose to be inclusive in like select times of the year or when they feel like being inclusive. But you know, at the end of the day, like it's a no brainer. Like we are an inclusive company. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why I created Barb. Like we are community powered by product. The product is keeping our lights on every day, but at the core of what we're doing, we're building a community. And honestly, you know, we're building a community of people who have been underrepresented and underseen and and not seen period. You know, for us, like the length of our hair is kind of the connecting factor. It's like the thread that holds our brand together. But at the end of the day, and while we are centering women and non-binary and trans people, because representation matters. At the same time, we are inclusive and our products are meant to work for anyone with short hair because Mm -hmm. great products matter absolutely, uh, and great brands matter and great missions matter. So yeah, you know, marketing is hard though. It really is. When we started a couple of years ago, we were positioning ourselves as a brand for women with short hair. And that was hard at the beginning because I knew at my core that it was so much more than for women with short hair, but we had to like be very like focused on who we were targeting at the time in order to Uh kind of get like a, get a a customer base, an initial customer base, but marketing is hard and you know, you're going to make mistakes. We had so, then we went to, for folks with short hair and we had a lot of pushback with that phrase and we were open to all the dialogue. And I want to talk to as many people as possible who kind of challenged us and challenged the brand and how we were positioning it, but it is hard. It is not easy to get your your positioning right, especially when you're trying to be inclusive, because the challenge and the risk with being inclusive is 
you're too inclusive. You can't be the brand, a brand for anyone. That's kind of yeah. like you know, what I've marketing 101 is while you want to be a brand for everyone, it is very, very, very hard to be a brand for everyone when it comes to marketing, because then you kind of dilute your message and you're, right. you get confused. You can't niche down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's hard actually. But I'm I'm really happy to hear that it's resonated with you at least, Annie. And uh, yeah, and not just me, but even in my ex- personal experience with the people in my salon, they we have a ton of queer people that work in the salon that, that I'm at, and a lot of them are males, and they are obsessed, and they they sell it to all their clients, men, women, cis, trans, like everybody across the board, just absolutely loves it, and I think. I think that's where it starts with the marketing. And and this is my personal opinion. I think that it starts with the marketing and the message, and that will resonate with the professionals that are using it. And then those professionals are able to get it out to a larger audience because they see themselves represented in something and they're able to then transition that into how their clients are able to see themselves in it and be able to use it and everything. And so it's almost like a trickle effect that you do get to reach a wider audience by kind of having a group of people be able to see themselves and be represented because in professional beauty, we're not. No, <laughs> like, totally we're not. <laughs> you know, the joke is like for, you know, 20 years, all the 20 years that I've been rocking short hair, I've been supporting men's brands. So, mm-hmm. Hey, time to support us. Right. Like exactly. And I think like, you know, it, I think everyone has a barb in their life. However you define a barb. And I think, you know, that's what's so like magical and beautiful about our brand is, like you said, it it resonates with so many people for so many different reasons. And we actually don't, if, you, if you've noticed, I mean, sometimes we do, but we actually don't center ourselves as a queer brand. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We really like try and center ourselves as a brand for short hair, the company for short hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because there are actually so many consumers who rock short hair who don't mm-hmm. identify as queer. And we don't want yeah, to... absolutely you know, we don't want to anchor ourselves in sexual identity or identity period. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our like biggest customer bases. Okay. Guess who is our biggest customer base? Oh, 50 year old bourbon women who they're, they've <laughs> decided they're too old for the long hair and they've had to make the jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> yep. It's actually 60 plus women with short hair. Oh. Okay. Okay. We call them stately barbs and they've either been rocking short hair for way longer than any of us have, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. as you say, they've like made the, they've gone barb Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And so, yeah, there are just like so many people with so many stories, you know, moms are buying products for their kids and Mm -hmm. uh, we have families, like we have like barb families. Like it's like that one jar past the barb, right? Down the family chain. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, I mean, inclusion is at the heart of what we're doing. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a no brainer for us. And I, I truly hope, and I actually do have hope and I have seen it in the industry just in my short time over the last two years that the industry is evolving. It really is. It is. And I do think it's changing. And I think that it it's not going to change overnight, but there are people, you know, on the ground like you two who are doing the work and who are like really, really, really working hard to affect change. I love that. You know, the other thing that I really love is that you're not a hairdresser because t- I, I am also not a hairdresser but, and, you know, just been playing in this world for so long. And I think that it's really 
inspiring to see that just just because you haven't gone to cosmetology school does not mean that you don't have a place in this industry. Like 100%. this industry is really such a large place and there are there are things for everybody and and also I think just knowing that there's a whole world. Like there's a whole world happening outside of the salons keeping salons going. Mm-hmm. Like getting that product to people, your social media manager, mm-hmm. letting people know about the product. There are charities out there. Like there is so much out there. And I think that as a student or a newer professional, it's really easy to get stuck in your like, okay, well, I've gone to school and now I'm going to go to a salon. There are career opportunities that you don't even know exist. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what makes this industry so magical is that you can really choose your path. And, and kind of like find your little corner of the industry. How did you come up with the name Barb? I was, it's just really not a, like a riveting <laughs> story. I was visiting my family in Canada, in Calgary, eating good old Alberta beef. This was, this is the real story. Sitting at the dining table. And I honestly was just like, I got it. It's Barb. And I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's a root of Barber. So we're kind of like flipping that. Uh-huh. Uh, flipping that word on its head a little bit and giving it like different meaning in terms of like gender. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I just think like Barb is like a badass like roller derby name or yes. everybody has an Aunt Barb. Yes. Um, Isn't there a Barb in Stranger Things? Barb is in Stranger Things. Yeah. That was yeah. And actually uh-huh. it was only it was after like I trademarked Barb and got the branding all like tightened up. It was only after all that, that I realized, or that I learned that Nicki Minaj's fans are called Barb's. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) She has like millions of Barb's. Really? Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I mean, maybe there's a new product line that they need to, uh, purchase immediately. I'd be like, (laughs) listen guys, it's, it's time. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I just love it. I like Barb is it's just so, I don't know. It's perfect. It's like, it's the, the best team ever. I think Aww. it's just so, <laughs> I'm like a huge Barb fangirl. Like I'm sitting here yeah. just like fangirling okay. away, but I really, like, I truly am from, from start to finish the product itself, the marketing, the social media, the, the name, the, the brand colors, the inclusiveness, like just all of it. I think it's such a fantastic product and company. So, Thank you. Definitely, like making, hats off to you and your my team. cheeks blush over here. <laughs> okay, so do you guys have anything coming up that we should know about? It sounds like maybe four products are in the works. We have four products in the works, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're being that we're launching all of them. So, if all goes as planned, we're hoping to launch at least one product this year, one new product this year. Hopefully, maybe two. But in the meantime, we're testing them, and again, we want to make sure that the products are as close to perfect as possible before we bring them to the world. We're really, we have like actually some really, really cool, fun events and activations happening over the next few months. We're actually focusing on events. And now that COVID is hopefully Uh over and we can all be out in the world together, you're going to see us popping up in different cities. We, we were just in actually Philadelphia last week or a couple of weeks ago, and we attended this amazing mixer at a bar and it was a mixer for butch and mask people. And there were hundreds of people there with short hair. And we actually did two go barb cuts in the bar. So a go barb awesome. cut is a long to short transformational hair. And it was so epic. We partnered with an amazing barb tender, who's our, 
our definition of a stylist or barber. She came in, we put like a drop cloth down, two people got life-changing haircuts and then like hundreds of barbs around when they saw themselves for the first time in the mirror just like everyone started cheering it was so awesome oh, oh my god I that's love incredible this. Yeah. i love this that's so, so where so can we're, people we're find doing... out like where you're gonna be um, if you're having follow this. us on instagram at the barb shop and i have to get our website updated but in the meantime follow us on instagram for all of the fun events and barb happenings and yeah. show if anybody is going to be in San Francisco during Pride, Barb is going to have a Pride float in the parade. And we are looking oh, for Barb's. Cool. If you're not a Barb, we'll give you a wig. We're looking for Barb's <laughs> to either walk alongside us, Barb's on bikes, Barb's on blades, Barb's on boards, Barb's with babies, all the Barb's. We want you to walk with us in the parade. Oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. incredible. I love I'm like, I feel like I need to go to San Francisco just to go to the Pride I know, Parade. Now. Like, you want to be here. I definitely do. I definitely do. <laughs> That's so amazing. Well, I just, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time today to hang out with us and chat and educate about product manufacturing and what that really looks like. Because I know that when I was in school, I had no idea. I was just like, yeah, maybe I'll do that someday. <laughs> like, <laughs> In addition to, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I think it's so good to have these really honest conversations about what stuff looks like, because I think the future of professional beauty, I think we should give them as much honesty and information as possible so they can come into our industry fully armed and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And on that note, if there are any, but it's so important to have people with industry experience and knowledge and background. So if anybody wants to talk to me or interested in learning more, or I'm always down to have a chat and talk and learn from people who actually do have industry experience and backgrounds, because it's super important for me and for brands like us who don't to partner and work with people who do. So I think like, you know, it's, it's important that there's two all of all of the types of people in this in this industry to make the magic happen. Well, thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to another episode of Dear Cosmo Babies. You can like this episode, leave a comment, let us know what you'd like to hear in the future. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music, and we'll catch everybody next week. Bye.